Coming from a video store, Ben, like, you and I both have had run-ins with psychotic strangers, I'm sure. Indeed. <laughs> you know, I legitimately had an intervention order against one. Really? I still do, actually. It was indefinite. Inde an indefinite <laughs> one? Yeah. I, I used to, like, we used to get people wanting to come in and wanting to sign up, uh, but with no ID. Oh, yeah. And not understanding why, and then, like, cracking it. Full on cracking it because you wouldn't let them. I've had them leap the counter over shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well, no. But when we, it got to the point, like towards the end, where the things we would ask for, like, you know, we need to see a bill with your name and address on it, <laughs> like an official bill. I remember. To approve, to prove where you live because. Yep. You know, and they're like, but why? And you're like, well, because, you know, I'm giving you, uh, at any given time, I'm giving you $100 worth of stuff. <laughs> and then you just, you know. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> It's not like, and we don't, you know, it's not like it used to be. We we're like, well, okay, you sign up, you click this box, and we'll send you a confirmation confirmation email or a text message that you have to reply to. Yeah. You know, we had to take everything on. This was the olden days. Yeah, <laughs> on on your word. But also, like, you're you're a ladies' man. I'm sure you've had your fair share of Evelyns in your life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Haven't yes. we all? Uh, yeah. Every. I like to, you know, I'm sure it's not me. It's everyone I've ever come into contact with. Well, I mean, <laughs> the common denominator here, you and I, same experience, is probably the fact that we have massive movie collections that, you know, that's what really... That's what, I mean, that's why they keep coming back. draws them in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you've got stuff that's out of print. I must borrow it. <laughs> Sorry, baby. Sorry. The only way they can watch it is to be with you. Yeah. You know, 20 years ago, this is a true story, the first place I lived in when I moved out of home was right across the road from a psychiatric ward at a hospital. Right. And on two separate occasions, very close, you know, within each other, two patients broke out and broke into our complex. Yeah, right. Our units. I just figured that you were hanging out the front <laughs> on a Friday night with girls on the avenue playing, <laughs> trying to pick up, you know, <laughs> the people coming and going. But one of these psychos was found at the bedhead in an apartment of tenants, like... Just watching someone Just sleep? Just standing there, yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. And it wasn't long after that that we moved out. But but in that same <laughs> same complex, there was a psycho And ex. moved in across the room. <laughs> there was a psycho ex of a woman living next door, and he climbed through the roof and set the entire building on fire. So we woke up oh. engulfed in flames. Lovely. Yes. I mean, I'm generally an introvert, so I'm very, you know, mild-mannered by nature, <laughs> but I've had my share of psychos and lunatics in my life. Well, it's amazing. Look, they just, you know, usually you have to go into the city for that kind of thing. I know. That's why I'm a country boy yeah. at heart. <laughs> so uh, what I'm getting at here is that the music playing <laughs> is Gator Creek by Gator Creek. That's the band that Kenny Loggins was in before he was Kenny Loggins, mate. Yeah, right. Before he, he went to the danger zone. Yeah, mate. What's that got to do with what we're talking about? It's from the movie Play Misty for me. Clint Eastwood. Classic. Classic. Uh, about the uh, psychotic... Uh, <coughs> 
stranger that you know <laughs> becomes no obsessed. Indecent obsession, even you might say. Is it where you're, yeah. <laughs> you can't be a pervert and expect to get away with it. Well, that's right. Don't we know it? It's a good way to start the show, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Good Movie Monday, everybody. Thanks for hitting play. We are the podcast dedicated to those nerdy cinematic ramblings. It's always a pleasure to be with you every week. My name is Glenn Cochran, recovering from my drunken shenanigans on last week's show. Sitting across from me is no stranger to you, but definitely a little psychotic. Ben, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. I've, I've taken my medication. <laughs> Good. And every, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it together. I'm not going to lose control. I've taken my medication, so if you see that desk lift a little bit, I'm sorry. <laughs> Can't control it. The blue, those blue pills. <laughs> this week's show is all about psychotic strangers in movies, as if they haven't guessed already. No particular reason for this one, but in fact, there's a whole string of shows coming up that are practically the same theme. Yeah. So it's like we have a highway horror show coming up. We have a basement horror movie coming. They kind of all involve strangers. Strangers that are what some would consider psycho. But no guest attached to this show. This is just you and me, mate. In for the long haul. It's on our backs. <laughs> it certainly is. Which is how I like to spend my private time. <laughs> Coincidentally, hang on a um, second. That didn't. I don't know if that came out right. A little bit of a little bit of a plug as well. We're talking psycho strangers. We currently have three double passes up to see the black phone on our website. So go to goodmoviemonday.com, Everybody enter that competition. Uh, you only got one week to get in on that action. That's. Uh, I would. I would go so far as to say, probably best film of the year. So. Yes. Which I've heard I've heard from Jarrett yep. as well, that it's potentially the best movie of the year. I don't know how it's going to beat uh, the Nicolas Cage one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that and, one or really, X. That run really. Or... Uh, I think it... Uh, so it, I'm going to... I'm very interested to see. I definitely can hold this one over X and say definitely the superior film. But when it All comes right. to the Nicolas Cage one, it's just like apples and oranges. Like they're both yeah, tasty right. treats, you know. And uh, look, most people prefer everything everywhere all at once over the uh, yep. unbearable weight of massive talent. But... For me, it's unbearable. Like, yeah, it's, it's unbearable. I was with you at the time. There were belly laughs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, this so... cage gives good smooches, <laughs> and if, that's all you need to know. That's right. I wish we could do a drinking game with with every time you quote. <laughs> every time that. I say that, <laughs> Nick Cage gives good smooches. But, but that, that doesn't mean stop. <laughs> no, I thought I thought the drinking game was every time I mentioned Kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> Or uh, what was the other one? I can't remember what the other one, the other thing is. I'm sure it will come up and you'll tell me. Oh Yes, we'll get there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that competition is thank you to uh, Universal Pictures Australia for putting those up on offer. We also have other competitions going at the moment on our website. Giveaways to um, cinema passes, drive-in car passes, brand new movie releases on DVD. whole lot of stuff. Get in on the action. But also coming up on today's show, you will be hearing from the American Friends in Kentucky, Joe Lewis, Chad Jennings, and James Thomas from the Bonehead Weekly Podcast. Going to talk about some of their favorite psychotic stranger movies. Uh, Guillermo Troncoso from Screen Realm has the weekly news update coming. And then there's this guy, Jarrett Garn, bringing you up to speed with what's being released on physical media this week. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now I'm going to start this week's releases with Disney because they've got arguably the biggest release of the week. 
and that is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Now this is the second Doctor Strange film but the direct follow-on from Spider-Man No Way Home. And now despite my aversion to Marvel films of late for anything that's really not Spider-Man, I'm going to check this one out partly because it's the direct follow-on from Spider-Man but also because it's helmed by Sam Raimi and it's his first feature in almost a decade since that Disney Oz film he did back in 2013. Now the 4K and Blu-ray have special features that include three featurettes, bloopers, deleted scenes, and the 4K Ultra HD has Dolby Atmos. Then also out from Disney is Bob's Burgers the Movie. Now get this, this is getting a 4K Ultra HD release. Remember when Disney said they weren't going to be doing 4K releases for anything that really wasn't Marvel or Star Wars? Well they're clearly backported because they're releasing this on 4K Ultra HD. It's also coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. Then next up, Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. They have quite the slate this week. They've got the Downtown Abbey, a new era movie coming, which is the second Downtown Abbey movie and an extension of the television series. It's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, but it's not coming out on 4K Ultra HD locally like it is in the States. However, don't despair because it has a Dolby Atmos track on the Blu-ray. Now there's plenty of special features on this one, in fact it's, it's been deemed a collector's edition, but I'm not going to go into it because you probably don't even give a shit. Then moving on to another release, Morbius. It's finally surfacing on home entertainment, it's coming out on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray and DVD, and it's Morbin time as this release is loaded with special features. You got six featurettes, a theatrical marketing highlights, bloopers, and the 4K Ultra HD has Dolby Atmos. Then the last release for the week from Universal Sony is the one I'm most excited about, coming from the Studio Canal catalogue. It's Stephen King's Cat's Eye. That's right, the anthology horror. We did the Australian premiere of the 4K restoration at Monster Fest Weekender, you know, like a month or two ago. And, uh, you know, it was just incredible. It was a revelation to see the 4K restoration because it looked schmicko. Anyway, this one is coming to 4K, Blu-ray and DVD, and it's got new special features. It's got an interview with director Lewis Teague, it's got a featurette titled Like Herding Cats, a conversation with animal trainer Teresa Ann Miller, and another featurette titled Johnny Norris on the Edge, Robert Hayes Remembers Cat's Eye. There's also some archival special features on there, including the audio commentary with Lewis Teague and the original theatrical trailer. Anyway, that's it for me for this week, so until next time, stay physical. I still find it so bloody odd, or should I say strange, that <laughs> Sam Raimi is dishing up midway franchise fodder. Like, this is a guy with 40 years movie-making experience to back him up, delivering mostly original films, if not kick-starting franchises. What's he doing making a production line movie? Sometimes you just want a new boat, Glenn. <laughs> I would have thought he'd already be able to you know, yeah. wrangle one of those. Yeah, but, you know. I think, you know, we've talked about this before. I think you you spend what you earn. Yeah. So, you know, someone says, hey, do you want to come in and do this thing that the producers are going to totally really do all the work for? Because, uh, you know, how much do the directors really do on those Marvel? It's, been... it's like, you know, being a director on a Star Wars movie. You know, Kathleen Kennedy's kind of <laughs> calling the shots, so. Well, but also, like, it, it's been 10 years <coughs> since... Sam Raimi has made a movie like to have that much time elapse and then to come back with Doctor Strange 2 like I don't know yeah. it's such a special effects like a digital special effects kind of thing yeah where he's primarily known as a practical effects kind of guy I guess he's got the new Evil Dead on the way so not that he's directing that either like he's just producing <laughs> just but you producing know it. the producing gets him a boat surely you would think so <laughs> anyway I mean yeah <laughs>
Surely you just you kick it into the deal. I want my fee <laughs> plus a boat. This boat. And it slides across a brochure. Anyway, thank you very much to Jarrett. We need to get Jarrett back on the desk sometime soon. So, uh, Ben, let's do some recommendations here. Would you like to go first? All right, I'll kick things off. Uh, uh, I'm going to talk about a movie that was, it was actually one of the first VHS tapes that I actively chased when I got back into collecting VHS. Right. And uh, I was shocked when I discovered that it wasn't worth a fortune. Because <laughs> I remember, I remember, and I hadn't actually seen the film, which is why I wanted the VHS It's like a hit to the ego when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's your entire collection. He <laughs> was like, oh, everything I've got shit. Uh, um, but it was one that I remember the trailer for much more so than the film. I don't know if I ever actually watched the film, mm. uh, but I used to, the trailer used to pop up all the time. It's Hider in the House. From 1989. Do you remember this? With Gary Busey, yep. Mimi Rogers, Michael McKean, that I, did, I didn't realize was <laughs> yeah. in it. Younger Michael McKean. Younger like, Michael yeah. McKean. Sleazy. Kind of, well, he's, I suppose he, I mean, he is. Uh, Bruce Glover, who's great oh, uh, is in this, this. Is this the movie with the, like, the really creepy image of him peering through a window? Yes. Yeah. And the, Well, the tagline is, uh, you can't lock him out. He's already in. Uh, so and- basically, I'm just going to look. I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm going to shortcut the whole process here a Ooh. bit and just read you the IMDb synopsis <laughs> All right, do so it. we don't get lost. But I'll still, I'll still give you my version, but it is like a deranged man hides in the attic of a new house and becomes obsessed with the unsuspecting family that moves in. That's the oh. <laughs> the basic outline of the film. And he does it like he does it really well. So he's just, so the, the premise of it is like, he's kind of almost like he's on day release but he's living in a, a skeevy from a mental hospital where he's been since he was a kid because uh-huh. he was he was abused as a child mm-hmm. by his parents. His father was incredibly abusive and his mum kind of was almost happy for it to happen so he laid off her a bit. Right. Um, and so he basically burns the house down with it, killing them both. And so he's been in a kind of a mental hospital since he was a kid. And uh, they and they kind of let him out. You know, mm-hmm. it's you know, part of this kind of... Um, 90s closing down of all the mental institutions because the government didn't want to pay. So <laughs> a lot of people got passes yeah. out, back out into the wider community that probably shouldn't have. And he's one of those. <laughs> um, and he just happens to be walking along and he spots this house under construction. He's like, well, I'm going to live there. So he sneaks in once the builders have gone. Yeah. And he just builds a fake wall in the attic. I love it. Uh, and lives in there. Yeah. And then Mimi Rogers and her family kind of move in. And he becomes obsessed with, with Mimi and kind of plots how to get rid of Michael McKean and how to kind of, you know, he, in his head, he's going to take over as, as head of the family. Oh it's such a, such a glorious era for these thrillers. <clears throat> you know? And of course, you know, look, things, things, things don't go well. The odd thing is this is written, it's written by this guy, Matthew Patrick, right? Mm-hmm. This, he's only really done a, like a couple of TV movies and stuff after this, a bunch of shorts. Yep. Um, but this was his, I think it was his first film. And it was financed by Vestron. They had planned to go out in 1,200 cinemas, mm-hmm. ran out of cash, shelved the film. <laughs> then it just came out on home entertainment without much of a theatrical release. It did a couple of festivals. Won like a Saturn Award. Was incredibly popular, but his career yeah. gone because it just nothing happened with it kind of thing. <laughs> It might have just gotten lost in the like the the tsunami of similar movies that came out. That came out at the time, yeah. Everything was 
like Fatal Attraction light after Fatal Attraction. Yeah. And there is a, like, so they did actually, uh, I was reading on uh, Wikipedia, the source of all good journalistic information. Yep. That they actually, in the original, the, the whole, the original ending was he kind of redeems himself at the end and realizes he's become this monster that he's the same monster, <laughs> kind of monster that his no. parents were. And then they went, the studio went, no, 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 let's just, uh, <laughs> Let's just keep him happy as a psycho. But there's some, I mean, there's some great stuff. Bruce Glover is the pervy neighbor next door who kind of, you know, who they think yep. at first is the psycho. He's the red herring. Yeah, he's the red herring. <laughs> uh, there's, you know, there's some skinny dipping going on. There's a shower scene. Oof. Mimi Rogers is at her milfy best. Was this Tom Cruise in this Mimi film? Rogers? This is, uh, I think he was already, he'd already moved on to Nicole Kidman by this stage. Ooh, okay, yeah, right. I think... What year did you say but it was? Nine eighty nine. It'd be close. Yeah. But she is she is looking looking good in her mum jeans. She's hot off the cruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's just stepped off the cruise. She is indeed. So there's you know so this I mean this movie does does have it all. It's got pervy neighbours. It's got skinny dipping. It's got uh, exterminated exterminators. It's the family dog doesn't doesn't fare well in this film. Oh man! There's uh, shower scenes. There's mum jeans. There's schoolyard bullies, complete with a great, like there is like he does. There's a great scene where Gary Busey kind of teaches the kid how to protect him, how to fight in a and protect himself, which he actually in the, in the scenes he kind of beats the shit out of the kid. <laughs> awesome. Who then complains that he like I'll never get this, and like they've literally been doing it for a minute. Yeah. He's yeah. like I'll never figure this out. <laughs> So he's like, oh, okay, then in that case, what you do is, and he's Mimi Rogers is there watching with a smile on her face until <laughs> it kind of turns. Yeah. And she's like, you know, Gary B is like, well, what you do is when you look like he's going to punch you, you kick him in the nuts as hard as you can. <laughs> then you use your elbow into his face. And when he falls on the ground, you kick him in the head. Like, and that's how you, and she kind of freaks out and says, no, the kid goes to school the next day and he fucking does it. Oh. Like he destroys this other kid. <laughs> It it's, is like, it's amazing. Well, it is sound advice. I mean, the, the number one lesson all boys should know is go for the nuts first. Like, yeah, that's right. That's, you know, <laughs> strike first, strike for the testicles. And that's, that's an important lesson for the girls that's out there uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> like I tell all my boys, <laughs> shoot them in the nuts. It's, it's funny that you, you said, you know, you got some of the information for Wikipedia because as you're talking about it, I'm on Wikipedia looking at it. Yeah. I have seen it. Like I didn't think I had, but I, I clearly have. But I'm reading the production notes here. Did you read about the psychiatrist? That they hired, so they hired a production uh, psychologist to help get Gary Busey into character. Yeah, right. And Gary Busey declared this is an NAR film, which means no acting required. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I am the character. I'm the character. <laughs> like it's he made this. He was like, you know, pretty kind of hot off Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon. Yeah, totally. And it's you know, it's it's Mr. Joshua if he's. Uh, if he's been in a mental hospital for uh, 20 years he's, prior. He's also not far off point break. Like he was still in his prime. Still oh, no, prime. he's like, yeah, he's in like, he's quite an intimidating physical presence in this. Yeah. In point blank, he's kind of like a fat slob by that oh, point. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm just saying as far as his but star was, goes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was still bankable. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. He's like, especially in that director video age. Yeah. Did which, he... And this even wasn't even director video, but... You know, the problem that Gary Busey always had with his career is he never did donkey jokes in the rest of the movies that he had. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I think it's, it's, it's a fault of his agent. That's he should have, been, the, should have been in his contract. That's just the peak of your career once yeah. you've done that. Yeah. I need, uh, and there is, is, there is a, um, a little caveat. Jake Busey mm -hmm. pops up in the film playing teenage Gary Busey. 
Well, there's a so there you go. There's some casting made in heaven, right? Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> casting made in the loins. <laughs> Who says nepotism is dead? Not this guy. Hey, if I was a director and I wanted to cast someone as the son of an actor, I'd say, "Hey, do you have a son?" Yeah. <laughs> he was well. Actually, I do. <laughs> here's what I here's what I made earlier. <laughs> What's going on everybody? It's Gimme from ScreenRealm.com. I don't know if you should add .com anymore because the website has been having so, so, so many damn problems over the last month. So it's not really happening, but I do nevertheless still have stuff going on on my end. Loud Observers, the podcast that I run with my better half, Cassandra, is back. We have a brand new video up on our YouTube channel, Loud Observers. And you should also join Screen Realm on YouTube as well, because it looks like YouTube video content is where we're going to be putting most of our time in. So be sure to go to Screen Realm and Loud Observers on YouTube. Now that I've got those plugs out of the way, let me tell you about a few of the screen stories that have occurred over the last week. Kicking off with the unfortunate, sad news that Hollywood star James Caan passed away at the age of 82. The Oscar-nominated actor known for many credits including The Godfather, Misery, Thief, Rollerball, Elf, Eraser, the list goes on, he will be missed. Amazon has acquired the rights to an untitled wedding comedy that will star Will Ferrell and Reese Witherspoon. There aren't any plot details known as of yet, but we do know who's directing Nicholas Stoller, known for Bad Neighbors, Bad Neighbors 2, Storks, Get Him to the Greek, and The Five-Year Engagement, among other films. So stay tuned for more on that one. Actor Michael Shannon will be making his first film as director. He's going to be directing Eric LaRue, an adaptation of a 2002 play by Brett Nouveau. The film's going to be looking at a bit of a touchy subject, especially in the US. The film is going to follow the mother of a 17-year-old who has shot and killed three of his classmates. As reported by Deadline, the mother, Janice, as she faces a meeting of the mothers of the other boys and a long-delayed visit to her son in prison, the story becomes not about the violence but about what we choose to think and do in order to survive trauma. I'm a big fan of Michael Shannon, looking forward to seeing what he does as director here. And it's possible that Avatar 4 and 5 may not actually be directed by James Cameron. In an interview with Empire, James Cameron said, The Avatar films themselves are kind of all-consuming. I've got some other things I'm developing as well that are exciting. I think eventually over time, I don't know if that's after 3 or after 4, I'll want to pass the baton to a director that I trust to take over so I can do some other stuff that I'm also interested in. Or maybe not, I don't know. So we'll see what happens there. Avatar 2 in the meantime, which is called Avatar The Way of Water, will be hitting cinemas globally this coming December. That about does it for me guys. Thanks so much for having me once again. Screen Realm and Loud Observers on YouTube.
Been a hot minute since I've listened to Kings of Leon Ben. That song is uh Taper Jean Girl from Disturbia. Disturbia, there's a there's a good example of a psychotic stranger, but that that's just basically a remake of Rear Window, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I remember I don't understand this is a film that I don't understand its popularity. Yeah. Like I remember when it came out, everyone was talking about it, like all the girls were all hot for uh, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> LaBeouf. LaBeef. <laughs> Uh, and it was this like big thing, and then, but I, I just don't get, I just don't I understand of, why. I, like even now, people look back on it fondly, and you're like, yeah, because I my my theory on it is that it was a whole lot of a, a generation that thought it was something new. Like you and I had seen Rear Window, we know these type of movies, Peeping Tom, you know. Whereas I think for a generation, this was the first real, you know, creeper looking through windows type of movie. But like. Like, like for me, I feel like it came out around the same time as Fear and Teaching Mrs. Tingle and all that kind but of stuff. But it didn't. It came 10 years after those. Like, it was... That's even worse, Glenn. <laughs> That's even worse. Well, that generation hadn't even been exposed yet. Teens are horrible. <laughs> kind of agree with you. Teens and their taste. Here's it's like, like that, you know, that generation of people who thinks, who you know, who, who grew up thinking holes. Like, I remember when I first, you know, when MySpace and stuff started... And you know all of the all of the, and I think by the time, like I could think I got a MySpace, I was already kind of you know eighteen kind yep. of thing. Was it eighteen? Was that even maybe even older? You were only the, nineteen. Maybe even later. Maybe I was in my twenties by the time MySpace <laughs> came around. But the people, you know, the teens that it was, was meant yeah. for, yeah, or that it, we were using it were like into holes. Like that was like the greatest Disney movie of all time. You Are you fucking kidding me? That, Holes. That was a very interesting film for me because I never understood the appeal of that one. I found yeah. it quite boring. 
I mean, no, I actually quite I like the film. Like it's, but it's why they Sigourney Weaver, but but yeah, but it's you know, it's no Darby O'Gill and the Little People. <laughs> there's one of those there's references. Another, take a shot if you're listening at home. <laughs> Like I mean, another one that's very similar to Rear Window is Road Games, which is essentially Rear Window on a highway, which will come into play, no doubt, on two upcoming episodes, episodes. which we can tie in with it. Um, Duel, Spielberg's Duel. There's a psychotic stranger. You'd never actually Hitcher, get to meet if we're that doing one. all the uh, if we're doing road ones breakdown, which we do have a, a, a highway horror episode coming up. So we're just no, getting primed for this, mate. Is breakdown? No, I'm thinking of Black Dog. Black Dog's the one. It's not oh, the psycho. Yeah. No, but but um. Yeah, no, 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 they're, they're very similar. They're not the same movie. They came out at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. Like they were the kind of, it was the deep impact Armageddon. Yeah, kind you, of thing. you spun me out because I'm thinking of the posters <laughs> and I think they're even very similar. Similar, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, Vanishing Point, not Vanishing Point, The Vanishing, sorry. If I can, if I can throw a recent one in that I, I thought was really good that no one else seemed to take to was that Unhinged with Russell Crowe. I thought that was a banger. Oh, yeah, yeah, where he plays the, the psycho um, like road rager and he just stalks a woman for the entire film and it's really 80s throwback. That was just, just, I thought it was a docker. And, and he's wearing a fat suit and it's like, does he need the fat suit? Like, does he, he spends the whole film throwing phones at her. <laughs> That's right. That's unhooked. That's unhooked, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, let me, how can I segue into my recommendation? I can't. Oh, I know. You mentioned in yours that the family dog you know, doesn't fare well. Does not. Does not fare well in mine either, my friend. I'm going back to 1989, a little Aussie oh, chiller. the same year as mine. Nicole Kidman, Sam Neill. Dead calm. This is, uh, for me, it's I, I remember it being one of the biggest films of the year when it came out. It was a big deal. I remember being a huge. I remember it, it introduced me to, to two things. Yeah. Billy Zane. Yep. And the glory that was Nicole Kidman's backside. <laughs> yes. Well, because there, yeah, there's a pantless scene. Because there is a pantless scene in it. Yes. And uh, let me tell you, that tape, the tape that got returned to the video <laughs> store when that came out on Home Entertainment, definitely... Uh, you know, the pause, that you could tell where someone had paused the scene. <laughs> that that covered Shall we a, say. a good old citro spray on that one. Yeah, Benjamin <laughs> Boobs, switch tack. I mean, this movie's very much a Hitchcockian kind of thing. It's Sam Neill plays Nicole Kidman's husband. He's like a... He's older too, isn't he? He's kind 20 of. years older. This, keeps, this is a thing. Like, he just recently got, you know, thrown under the bus by Laura Dern for the new Jurassic Park when she came out publicly and said, I didn't even think about the 20-year age difference. It's disgusting. It's like... Come on, like you're both of age and legal, but she made a big thing about it. And then suddenly Sam got put in the spotlight going, what do you think of this age difference? And he had to say, oh, it's not really appropriate. It's like, and then he made dead calm as well. And it's like, that was a 20 year age difference. <laughs> yeah. It makes no difference to me because they're both adults. You know what I mean? They're adults. How is it not appropriate? Uh, Did he lock her in a dungeon and fucking groom her? This is the thing. We won't go into this. We won't go into this because we might trigger some people. But the whole gist of it was just that you can't have an age difference now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, they are husband and wife and they are a couple who's... Uh, they're recovering from the death of their toddler who died in a car accident. And to sort of, I guess, um, get over the loss. You don't get over a loss, but to... what. To deal with it, they go to out onto the open ocean on their yacht and um, they're in the middle of the Pacific and everything takes a really dark turn when they come across Billy Zane who's rowing towards them in a raft away from what appears to be a decrepit ship, I guess you would say. It's, it's a much bigger yacht anyway. And when he arrives, he's grateful for the help and all that, but something isn't quite right with him. And it doesn't take very long. I thought, in my mind, from when I saw this when I was younger, that there was a bit more time between him getting there and him flipping yeah, there's not. There's, there's like not. five minutes. No, it's it's funny how when you're a kid, 
these movies that are like 90 minutes, 100 minutes feel like they go for four hours. Totally. Totally. And, I mean, because no sooner does he get on the boat and he gets questioned and defensive, he just turns out to be a psycho. And it turns out that he had killed everybody that was on the other boat. Hmm. Um, like he had taken them out on, a, like, a tour and then just, you know... A three-hour tour. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, he was their little buddy. He was there, yeah. <laughs> um, and so the movie then is just pretty much like a really... Like, Close spaced cat and mouse. Cat and mouse cat. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's remarkable how how cl- how close the space it is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That they still maintain the like. Surely you could just hear. It is. Yeah. It is such a simple concept, but I think it's executed really well. And it was all shot on the open ocean. Like it and was. It's a uh, Philly Noyce, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so directed by Philip Noyce, and he had. If you don't know who he is, you probably should if you're listening to our show. But he made movies like Before This, Backroads, Heatwave, Newsfront, and then he went on to make. What did he Patriot, Rabbit Proof Fence. Patriot, Patriot Games, Games, The Saint, and Blind Fury. Um, and actually, Philip Noyce's uh, biography is the best I've ever read as far as like Hollywood stories go. Oh, I've never uh, I've never read that. It's, it's called it um, Backroads to Hollywood. I just like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. I just like that his name is the Bogan way of saying nice. <laughs> Noyce. Noyce. <laughs> Noyce. It's a Noyce movie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a great read. And the chapter on Dead Calm is just... Ooh, you know, he goes into some really good stuff. He does with every film he's he's made because he kind of he didn't write it because it's a biography, but he really contributed to to the details. Right. He gave them access. As things they say. things I learned about it. Let me go through some interesting things I've written down here from the book. Okay. Uh, so it's no, it's no. Um, does he does he name names in this book? He kind of does. does. Dishes he, the dirt. Not on this film, but he does in in other ones. But he talks about. Shit that's been um he's been thrown under the bus. Oh, he really he's filthy on the Jack Ryan stuff. Really? Yeah, because he wanted to make the third film, and like the sum of all fears, and he got fucked over big time. I think he was on board with that right until the last minute, and they replaced him. Anyway, that's... They were with Affleck. No, Affleck was... was the actor, but the director was like Phil. Uh, no, 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 Phil no, no, I understand that, but he wanted to because that was a good. No, no, no. Um, Harrison later. Ford. Harrison Ford was still. And, on okay, so it was it was going to be a that yes. Jack Ryan continuation, yes. not a like younger pre CIA Jack yeah, Ryan. And it was the um, or, what's the yeah. producer Mace Newfield or whatever? He's the guy that fucked him over. Anyway, yeah, right. go read the book. It's a fantastic read. Is it unaudible, mate? I don't, <laughs> I don't really read anymore, but I listen. It's it's kind of no secret, you know, amongst filmies that Orson Welles originally set out to make um, Dead Calm back in 1969 because it's based on a novel from like the 1950s. And he actually shot the film. Like the footage exists and it's a lot of it's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's kind of interesting. But he suppressed the film uh, when the star of it, Lawrence Harvey passed away. So I kind of feel like he took an opportunity to go, oh, I've got a pretty stinking film on my hands here. Like, just, uh, I'll, I'll be respectful. I'll be respectful and I won't release it. Lawrence Harvey, of course, <laughs> is the father of Domino Harvey, the main, the inspiration behind that movie, Domino. Oh, so you, yeah, you weren't going to say uh, Human Centipede? <laughs> no, that's, that's Lawrence R. R. Harvey. <laughs> oh, I got scolded for that but once he is upon a, a time. Lawrence Harvey is the star of uh, the Brothers Grimm Disney movie. <laughs> I remember... Oh. Doing a meet and greet with Lawrence Harvey, R. Harvey, uh, for Monster Fest, I think it was. Was that where Human Centipede 3 was released? Uh, I think 2. 2. Well, it was the screening of number 3. I thought he'd come out for both. He may have. It's actually the screening of three. We got to meet him and he was introduced. You know, this is Lawrence Harvey. And boy, did he crack it. He goes, Lawrence R. Harvey. It's like, we made. We did actually shoot a bunch of uh, like infomercial <laughs> type things with him, yeah. where he's on the phone to Actors Equity, and he's like, "Hello, this is Lawrence Harvey." No, 
Not that Lawrence Harvey. Lawrence <laughs> R. Harvey. The star of The Human Centipede 2. So some more interesting things about Dead Calm. Um, the way this movie came to Philip Noyce is his producer, Tony uh, Bill, who made The Sting and a few big Hollywood movies, he had the manuscript and he, he just threw it at Philip Noyce and said, Australia has water. See what you can do with this. <laughs> and that's how it came to be. And then Philip Noyce went to George Miller, showed him the story. He agreed to produce it. So it's a Kennedy Miller production. And apparently George Miller directed a lot of the movie. Um, right. Like a lot of the open water stuff is George Miller. Apparently he directed an entire sequence with a shark, which I'm kind of glad didn't make the movie. Didn't make the cut. That would have been... make an interesting extra feature on the DVD. Yeah. Or the blurrah. They originally wanted Greta Skucky to play the Nicole Kidman character, which you know I certainly would have been on board. I, appro- I approve of all of the casting choices so far. What about um, they originally wanted Brian Brown and Rachel Ward as the lead couple who've been married in real life? Oh, th- those those two are t- way too age appropriate for each other. I don't think it would have <laughs> yeah, worked. That's right. And the reason they cast Billy Zane is pretty much based on his headshot because he looked like Marlon Brando, which he does. Which he does. He certainly does. Apparently he's playing Marlon Brando in an upcoming film. Perfect well, casting. Why? When they've got the guy from The Offer. <laughs> That's right. Well, at the point that he made Dead Calm, he had only done Critters and Back to the Future. So he didn't really have anything to back him up. And apparently there were hundreds of auditions. And when the producer saw his headshot, they just sort of um, gave him an hour to get to the audition. And lucky he could. He could. Well, I mean, traffic in Los Angeles is a <laughs> yeah. nightmare. That's right. Uh, so anyway, yes, there is a very long and sort of interesting production you know, story behind this film. Um, and it's one of the first examples, Ben, of uh, the distributor releasing it in America before Australia, which if you go back and listen to my Alex Proyas episode, that's the model he was trying to push for Garage Days because his theory was Aussie movies make more money when they go to America first. They do indeed. Yes. So Dead Calm was the first one that, that proved that. <laughs> the problem is is that the American distributors ruin it for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, there's, there's my little bit of backstory on Dead Calm and that's, that's my recommendation. Oh, fantastic. I'm a, I do. Uh, I did contribute a poster to that for an upcoming publication because I've got the Dead Calm poster. I, I feel like it is due for a revisit. It's a great poster and it's a it's a movie that needs a re-release big time. Um, but yeah, so, and, and yes, the dog does not fare well. <laughs> yeah. Who takes a dog on a boat? Exactly. Like for a, for a, like a deep ocean <laughs> yeah, trip. Like it's not like it's... You know, I live on, I live on a canal boat. <laughs> like they're out in the middle of nowhere. Like, where's that dog pissing and shitting? It's not like you can. Oh, just let him jump in the water and he'll do it there. That's not how dogs work. <laughs> That's right. And might I say before we throw it to the boneheads? Uh, slight spoiler alert. Flare to the face. One of the great movie deaths. Yeah. Welcome to Bonehead. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Psycho killers. <laughs> One of my favorite. Actually, we're talking psychotic stranger. Well, I got both. Stranger danger. Stranger, stranger danger. Stranger danger. End up becoming psycho killers. Adam Wingard's the guest. You guys like this movie? Did you ever see it? it seems like I have. So, Dan Stevens is a really talented actor who ends up in some of the worst shit of all time. If you don't know who he is, he played Beast in that awful, god awful, awful, god awful live action bullshit beauty and the beast movie we're not going to go into it because chad loves beauty and the beast and i do not want to upset him not today no sir not today 
Also you bastard. One of my other favorite character actors in it, Lance Reddick. Adam Wingard, and written by Simon Barrett, they, they worked together for many years, started off making a low-budget horror film. One of their better ones is Your Next, but I love The Guest. Basically, it's about this young girl who's, whose brother, this guy shows up from the military and says he was a friend of her brother's and everything goes to pot because her brother died in combat. And he starts telling them stories and he stays with them for a while and then it all goes to hell. And the least least i tell you about it the better off you are what i like about it other than dan stevens once again is a really good actor who is in just when he does a big budget film and i don't blame him bonehead would sell out next week for checky check it out the guest adam wingard has a specific style a kind of an 80s throwback and i enjoy his movies i even enjoyed his his godzilla film the the one that came to mind is since you said you know dangerous stranger or whatever dangerous uh, stranger it, it, let's write that movie whatever the dangerous um it's it's a movie that was written by eric red who i would love to have on the show at some point starring the talent of armin shimmerman he's been and, invited. uh jennifer jason lay and of course rucker howard figures in somehow the the hitcher the hitcher is there's there's a scene in the hitcher i don't care that it was made in 1986 there's a scene where if you think things are going to turn out okay i got bad news yep. for is you. it the truck tied to the yeah. truck yeah yeah the hitcher yeah, yeah. and it doesn't so the, by the way eric red would go on to write near dark uh, with Catherine Bigelow is it's two has two movies in pre-production even now one of which he's directing he also writes a lot of novel uh, western said, novels the hitcher is basically that idea of a murderous hitchhiker being stalked you don't know him it doesn't matter but it is it's it's effective and it's Rutger Hauer at some of his most yeah. Rutger and Hauer by the way the other scene the french fry scene still gets me have you guys yeah. ever seen the remake I never bothered to watch it, it I never never wanted to watch, wanted to watch it yeah it's like it would be like remaking Blind Fury Joe why oh Blind Fury <laughs> I knew I know, knew I'd get chatted with that one but you God, know it's amazing. In, in, there's some movies you can remake that may be one of those that's just so much of its time. All right. So you all went a different route than me. When we decided to do this one, I decided to do a different route. I want to go the comedy route. And I want to talk about what about Bob? I knew it was going to be what about Bob. How did I know as soon as you said comedy route? It had so to be there's what about comedy Bob. in front of the camera and behind the camera. And what about Bob? If you get the chance to read Richard's yeah. prophecy, uh, Bill, Bill did not behave himself. Keep going. And around this time, hardly ever behaved himself. And, you know, for the most part, he kind of still doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, uh, directed by Frank Oz, which, by the way, big of a Frank Oz fan I am, I always forget that he did this film. I always forget. I don't know why. It just. It's it, no dirty, rotten scoundrels. Uh, <laughs> No, but it is yeah. a fun movie. And Julie Haggerty oh, is in it. Nobody ever remembers that Julie, Julie Haggerty is in it. And there's yeah. a lot of there's also a lot of great side actor character actors in this film. It's just amazing. And it's about this 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 obsessive compulsive person. I thought he's going to say very pedophile. neurotic. Uh, he gets hired. He, he gets uh, transferred to this new psychologist, and this psychologist goes on vacation, and the this the stranger just follows him. And you know, Bill Murray gets a lot of credit for this film. Richard Dreyfus does not, and Richard Dreyfus's performance it it, it shows his range of how great of an actor he is. It's just he starts out as a normal character and just slowly devolves into this this insane person who just wants this man out of his life. Uh, and you know when you're going against Bill Murray, who is a comedy god, and Richard Dreyfus over 
outpaces him at every corner. It's amazing. Yeah, I just want to talk about What About Bob. There's many psychotic stranger films I could have gone. By the way, James Hitcher was my second in case you stole What About Bob. Oh, what About Bob is only one step down from the great nothing but trouble when it comes <laughs> to stranger danger. Yeah, you want to sign us out? Yeah, this has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Get bent, James. <laughs> Go to hell. Bent? Bent. Bent. Oh. Um, it's his penis. Oh, it's already got a crook in it. Gonzo's <laughs> nose. Bloody cursing, Chad, like for doing what about Bob? Well, that was that was definitely my pick for this weekend. It's the uh, the classic, the, the Bill the Bill Murray. Yeah, the problem is though, like they because they pre-record ahead of time for us, so we can you know get fit them into the show and get on schedule and all that. I, I couldn't tell them not. We to can't do it. tell them. Yeah. <laughs> We really should pick our movies a lot earlier and go, these <laughs> yeah. ones are the ones you can't do. And at the same time, you and I like to maintain an element of surprise on the show so we can sort of react if we can. But um, anyway, I scrambled to come up with another comedy, which actually ties into What About Bob nicely, which was unbeknownst to me until the very you know, last minute. So I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But thank you to the Boneheads. The Bonehead Weekly Podcast is available wherever you get podcasts from. They recently uh, had the special effects wizard Steve Nell on the show. He's a guy... That um, has worked on Ghostbusters and Full Moon High, The Stuff, and Gate Two. Ooh, some some, some Larry Cohen. I think some Fright Night in there as well. Yeah, yeah. right. Anyway, go subscribe. Um, the Bonehead Weekly Podcast. It's available re- wherever you get them from. I highly recommend YouTube because you can get to watch those guys. I go through OnlyFans because you yeah. also get the nudie pictures. Yeah, it's that. It's the Joe factor. Yeah. <laughs> so the big guys love him. As I was saying, I, I wanted to I wanted to find a way to address the theme a little bit differently. What about Bob was a good way to do it because it was a comedy. So I ended up going with The Cable Guy instead. From 1996, that dark and twisted comedy with Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick. Jack Black as well. Jack he, Black, back when yeah. he was that guy in the background, he was the best friend. He was the best friend, yeah. <laughs> right. in, he was in, the Bill Hader character. In so many things as well. Um, but this was a movie that was directed by Ben Stiller and... Speaking of before, when you mentioned that, you know, it's funny how time is different when you get older. This movie was only made two years after Ben Stiller directed Reality Bites. Yeah, right. That feels like it was more of a 10-year gap to me. Because Reality Bites is a stamp in time. Like, it's that 90s quintessential yuppie kind of thing. See, that's what I remember. Because he was famous for the Ben Stiller show, which I don't ever remember getting here. Yeah. So, I wasn't really familiar with it other than, like, a Ben Stiller show special where they... It was on, like, Channel V here in Australia. Yeah, which I I never had. Yeah, me neither, by the way. Yeah. So... He he was like an unknown, yeah. even though now looking back, I was like, he was in a bunch of movies that I would have seen as an actor yeah. with his dad. But as a creative. But as a, yeah, had no idea. So this was the, oh, it's the follow-up from the guy from, from of the Reality Bites guy. Totally. Because Reality Bites was huge. Massive. But like I said, very much a movie of its time, a bit like singles. Like it was really that snapshot of, you know, youth in the, in the, yeah. in the nineties. And then I kind of remember going to the movies to see Cable Guy and like, I certainly was too young to go to the movies to see reality, but it's like maybe it just got released way later here. I don't know. Yeah, but it's very possible. I think I remember seeing a making of before I actually saw the film on Channel 10. It just threw me when I read that. But um, the premise of this one has Jim Carrey playing the titular sort of um, cable guy who is Matthew Broderick's cable service guy. And in America, cable television was very big and you had to have a, a cable service that would come and fix it. And, and it, it's a well-known... It's a well-known... Uh, <laughs> fact that if you tipped your cable guy you slipped him a couple of hundred bucks well he would hook you up to all the cable channels for free i'll juice you up yeah <laughs> that's straight from the cable guy yeah. exactly it and that's how he befriends matthew broderick by giving him free cable 
when I lived in Canada, I was blown away by this fact. This is just a side note. Uh, the video store I was a member with was called Rogers Video. It was the big brand, you know, in Canada of video stores. But also, Rogers was the cable provider. You go into the video store, and at the back there was like a counter with another register. That was where you go to get your cable fixed, or it's where you go to get your cable subscription. It's like these two are like supposed to be enemies, yeah. but that, that's how it worked over there. Interesting. Anyway, <laughs> well, it's because of those Canadians are so damn nice. Yeah, that's right. It's, it, we have a bit of both. It's like let's just share offices with, with our mortal <laughs> enemies. Right. So anyway, Jim Carrey's obsession with Matthew Broderick turns really, you know, nasty, dark, and violent, and he turns out to be a really mentally deranged guy who. who Ultimately, just wants to be friends. Yeah. Don't they all? That's, Don't they? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. But my first memory of this one was taking my dad to see it at the cinemas. And, and my dad at the time, he was adamant that Jim Carrey was a flash in the pan, one hit wonder. <laughs> we'll never be big. And he was he was absolutely adamant. And even now, he still thinks the same. Yes, yeah. <laughs> When's that Jim Carrey going to do another film, eh? <laughs> that's right. And he still bangs on about it. But um, memories of this I want to talk about. I bought the CD soundtrack from mm. Brashes for this one, and it's a, from Brashes. It's a wow. banger soundtrack. I the only song I remember is um, is the Do you want some? Yeah, the, the love? Um, was it <laughs> Buffalo Springfield or whatever it is? Yeah, it's a, it's another one of those you know like the Matrix, like Reality Bites. It is quintessential '90s stuff. It's, yeah, yeah, very cool. Chris Farley was originally signed on to star in this one. Like he was actually signed on as the cable guy, and Perfect. he dropped out during the pre-production just because of scheduling conflicts. Yeah, right. That would have been a different movie. He's too busy doing Tommy Boy. Yep. Or Black Sheep. Something like that. Imagine if that was a scheduling conflict. Or, I mean, yeah. not, not the cable guy. Beverly, not, Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> I'm not the made cable the wrong guy there. became a bigger thing than any of those. Yeah. But, um, I, look, I remember it being, because this is definitely, it's definitely a fantastic film, even if you have no knowledge of TV. But if you, if you grew up watching sitcoms. classic sitcoms, yeah, this movie is for you yep. because the references fly hard and fast. Not only the references, the red herrings, the, yeah. the, 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 what do you call it? The clues, you know? Yeah. yeah so like the, it's, it abounds. Yep. It's a very film. clever film. And I do think that over time, it's a much better movie now, 20 years later than yep. it was then. Um, and it, it's so twisted. It's really twisted, which is, he's really scary in this one, Jim Carrey. <laughs> Yeah, but um, also casting wise, before Jim Carrey was on board, they were pursuing Adam Sandler for it, and I can see that too. Yeah, I can totally see him flipping the switch because at that time he hadn't done anything dark. But you know, imagine it's that. interesting. I can you, I kind of think of all these people in both roles. Yeah, like could you imagine Chris Farley in, as Ben Stiller I know, yeah. with, against Jim Carrey? <laughs> yeah. That would be great. I know, or Adam Sandler up against. Yep, as the kind of as the straight yep. as the straight man. Man. This is also um, one of Judd Apatow's first movies that he wrote and produced, but he never got a writer's credit because of some stupid rule with the Writers Guild. Yeah, right. But he did write this one and he championed it because he wanted to direct it because he had been working on the Ben Stiller show and they just didn't have confidence in him. So he suggested Ben Stiller having the reality bites off, off, you know, to come off of. So there you go. Uh, interesting one. Um, and here's where it ties into What About Bob because... Unbeknownst to me, when Apatow was pitching it, he pitched it as a dark What About Bob. <laughs> so there you go. I've managed to do a What About Bob movie regardless I mean, of... I was going to say, Hider in the House is like What About Bob. Yeah. Totally. A dark What About Bob. <laughs> yeah, there's probably heaps of them out there. Yeah. What About Bob's probably just fucking ripped everyone off. <laughs> it's, it's an everyman I'm, film. I'm still dirty at Chad. That's a great movie. Yeah, that's a really, really great movie. I reckon top 
20 all-time comedies for me, that one. Oh, baby Steps. Baby Steps to the talk bus. About, baby, baby Steps, talk about what about Bob twice. <laughs> That's <laughs> gimme, gimme, I want, I need. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Cable Guy, that's, um, that's my recommendation. I also happen to think it's one of Jim Carrey's best performances. It's one of his most underrated ones anyway. Alrighty, moving on. Good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like Viewlorium. Viewlorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies, and it's absolutely free. They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema, and more. Visit Viewlorium.com today to see what it's all about. So there are obviously lots of psychotic stranger movies out there we can reference, but I wanted to stop on one for a minute, which I don't think you've watched yet, but now you might have a reason to do it. Uh, Misery. James Khan passed away last week. He did. And that is, you know, amongst probably his top five performances, I think. That's just an absolute banger of a movie. Very sad news. You know, when, on the day that he passed away last week, I think it was Friday, um, Keith, good old Keithy, you know, Godfather... Expert, you know, the, the man who watches the bugs on the wall. It's <laughs> <No. laughs> no. a chopper joke, Keith. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Keithy George, mate. Yeah, um, no, Keith pointed out to me that um, there's only two members of the Corleone family left, and that would be Robert Duvall and um, Al Pacino, which I believe were the only two left in the movie. In the movie, yeah, the last two standing. And Duvall's adopted, yeah, that's true. Good old Tom Hagen, <laughs> yeah. that Mick, yeah. So, anyway. Bit of a, a tribute there just to James Caan. Like, what's one of your favourite James Caan movies? Tell me it's Rollerball. <laughs> uh, not, not, Elf? <laughs> yeah, not really. I mean, I do love Elf. Um, Otter Rocket? Oh, yeah. Otter Rocket is a great James Caan film. Totally. Uh, yeah, you yeah, speaking, of, you put me on the of, spot. Yeah, now. I don't know. I like... Uh, um, What's the, he did that western with Jason Robards and Jane Fonda. Oh, look that up. Um, um, when Comes a Horseman or something like that. Yes, look that I really, up. I, I really liked. You know, mentioning Alf a minute ago, I think that's a really underrated performance from him. Like he's particularly good in that. He elevates that film beyond being just a silly comedy. Mm. You know, um, what else is there? Like this, uh, clearly people. I haven't this seen. Is... See, I haven't seen like some of them, which I know are great. Like I haven't seen Thief. And oh, I haven't seen. Yes, that's a good uh, one. I haven't seen Gambler. Uh, the Gambler. That. Yeah, I wasn't in El Dorado. El Dorado is a fantastic film. Yeah. Um, As you can tell, people, this is not something we prepared. I did just throw Ben under the bus. <laughs> and you know my memory is shit. Cinderella Liberty, which I've always wanted to watch because I, I think it's like a ripoff of The Last Detail. Yep. But I'm not sure. Well, there you go. Now we've got more reason to go back to and go watch back some and of these. To watch these. For sure. Uh, That's okay. Well, I could, the one I hated was Harry and Walter Go to New York. Mm, geez, I hated that film. Uh, comes a, yeah, it is Comes a Horseman. He's in 1941, but who isn't? <laughs> That's right. Uh, we, oh, could do, we could do a whole episode on about, 1941. Um, uh, honeymoon in Vegas. Yeah, totally. With with all the Elvis impersonators. And he was in that. We had um, we had Courtney Gaines on the show last year, and whatever movie that was, was it um, something Bees? Queen Bees, I think it was called. He's in that. He's in that. And yeah. do you remember... Um, I really, I've, you know, funnily enough, do you remember the program? Yeah. The movie was The Football Coach? Yeah. For years, I'd only ever seen the trailer. And the trailer has the two guys spitting in each other's mouths, like the two <laughs> football players, when they're getting like... You don't put that in the trailer. God damn it. And you want, the movie, it feels like, you know, afterwards, after 
watching Varsity Blues, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, so Varsity Blues is like the teen remake of the program because you think that James Caan is like John Voight yeah. from the trailer. And then you watch the movie, complete opposite. Yep. <laughs> That's how they market things, That's mate. How they, how they, they get you. They manipulate your feelings and emotions. <laughs> um, I'm going to let you finish off the show with a recommendation, but quickly, just a couple more to reel off. Night of the Hunter's a good one. Night of the Hunter. That's a yes. banger. Love and hate. Good old uh, funny games. Both versions. There's some psychotic strangers for you. Texas Chainsaw Massacre has the Hitcher. Like, that's the ultimate psychotic stranger. Yeah. Um, and then don't but forget... Then you, but then, you know, the innocent people are kind of the strangers. Yeah. Like, the, you know, the, the other guys They're are all, static. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's <laughs> a slippery slope when you come yeah. to narrowing down what defines a stranger, but... um. Surely Large Marge from Pee-wee's Big Adventure is a psychotic stranger. Large Marge. <laughs> and did you see um did you see what Variety posted the, the last week um about Tom Cruise? No. So they were they were um and this relates to the theme because collateral is, you know, a psychotic stranger, right? Fantastic. Yes, film. but they, they put out like a Twitter post or whatever talking about it and they actually thought that Tom Cruise's character's surname was collateral. So they called his character. What, I don't remember his character's name. Let's say Vincent. 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 Yeah, they called him Vincent Collateral. Hilarious. And I would say he's more sociopathic than psychopathic. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, that's there's a fine uh, line, isn't yeah. there? <laughs> I mean, when you come to a pesky little podcast like, like ours, it doesn't yeah, matter. We can just do whatever we want. <laughs> we make right. the rules. We can break them if we want. Oh well. So go ahead. Um, hit us with your last one. Well, look, I'm going to talk about when you coming back, Red Rider from 1979. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this film. I had I had never seen. I heard about it. Yep. And it is known as kind of one of the great lost films of the seventies. Mm-hmm. It has. I think it has had a DVD release. I don't know if it's had a Blu-ray. It rings I, I a watched, bell. I watched the old Roadshow VHS, oh, which is one of the more delicious, hard to get Roadshow VHS tapes, like the first gen Roadshow tapes. Um, it is a phenomenal film. It's based. It's it's directed by Milton Katsalis, uh, who uh, also did Report to the Commissioner, which I don't know if you've ever seen with Martin Balsam. That's a pretty cool film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but written by Mark Mark uh, Medoff. I think it was his. Funny enough, this is his second film. Uh, he also wrote his first one was Good Guys Wear Black, the Chuck Norris film. Yep. Uh, he, but he did also did. Stuff I know like the poster. I'm looking at the poster now. Yeah. I know the yeah. poster. Yeah. It's very much the poster. Funnily enough, is very much like The Wanderers and. Um, uh, what's the other one that's like the Wanderers? Um, it's it's like that kind of greases. Well, it's a, this the one I'm looking at. It's very much a poster of its time. It's got a guy sitting at a barstool. At a barstool, yeah, 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 in a leather jacket. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Which is you know, which is ironic considering what the actual film is about. But Mark Minoff actually, it's a a play that he wrote. So he adapted his own play, and he won like a um, I can't remember the name. It wasn't a Tony, but it's like a. He won an award for it anyway, yep. for, for this play. But Marjo Gortner, uh, former former uh, you know, child uh, preacher, like he's one of those you know revival house. What a name, Marjo. Marjo, Marjo Gortner, <laughs> a good friend of the show. John Harrison actually has written a book on oh, Marjo. Large Marjo, <laughs> uh, definitely worth uh, checking it out. But I think for most. For most good good movie Monday listeners, they probably know Marjo Gortner from American Ninja Two, where he's the he's <laughs> yeah. the villain. Uh, <laughs> um, but the film also the film look the oh, I don't know I don't know the basically the movie the movie and the movie has this great beginning. So the opening establishing shot of the film 
is Candy Clark naked in a stream, full frontal nudity, washing herself while Marjo Gortner watches on. And he's kind of like, a, he's an ex-Vietnam vet turned kind of hippie who's completely deranged. And they're sitting there waiting for a couple of Mexicans to turn up with uh, what you assume is drugs. Um, and they turn, of course, he then, he basically just robs them. Right. Of the drugs and sends them back without their shoes and guns and no money. And then he, <laughs> he crosses the, there's a, it's a phenomenal scene. He crosses over the border. They get back and they were driving like a minivan, like a, like a, um, what do you call it? Uh, not a Humvee. What are those? The Oh, like a, a combi van? A combi van. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, dr- they drive across the thing and they get, you know, but he's too much of a smart ass to, <laughs> to kind of get through customs without, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they decide to do a they check the van out because he's just such a smart ass. They check the van out and then they give him a proctology exam <laughs> while he explains to it. The and, blue pill just kicked in the van. He's like he's totally like you know, the guy doing the the thing is like, you know, trying to make conversation and he just keeps giving him shit. And so the guy is just like, Well, I think I'm gonna have to use this device. And like you literally, you see Marjo Gordon bent over this table with all his clothes off while the guy shoves this cattle prod looking device <laughs> up his ass. And the look on Marjo Gordon's face, like he's in agony while this is happening, but he still can't keep his fucking mouth shut. <laughs> it, is, it is one of the most amazing scenes in movie history. But basically, <laughs> so he's already proved himself to be a bit of a psycho and other things kind of happen along the way to kind of further improve that. And then it kind of, it splits between him doing that and this small town in, it's somewhere in the border of New Mexico and Texas. Right. Kind of in the middle of nowhere. And around this, there's a diner and next to it is a hotel slash gas station. And the diner is, um, is manned by uh, Stephanie Ferrasi, who's the kind of, you know, chubby waitress who doesn't really have many friends and doesn't right. do too much. And the, the... The kid who works the the midnight the late shift mm-hmm. as the kind of chef and waiter, um, who's like so this is and sorry I should have said this is set in sixty eight yeah and he's all dressed up like a greaser so mm-hmm. he's about ten years out of date. <laughs> Everyone else has kind of moved on to being hippies and gotcha. stuff like that, but he's still you know obsessed with the, the greaser kind of look and he's he wants to be called the running joke through the film is he wants to be called Red. His name's Stephen. And the waitress is like, but your name's Stephen. He's like, but I don't want to be called Stephen. I want to be called Red. And he's like, but you, you don't have red hair. And he's like, well, I did when I was a kid. And that's when I got the name. So I should be. And of course his name and the, the kid's name is actually, um, Stephen Ryder, Stephen Ryder. Right. So he wants to be called Red Ryder after the the cowboy comic strip Red Ryder, hence the, I, the title. Uh, funnily though, like a Red Ryder today is like one of those old people's buggies that you yeah, see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very similar to that. So, but so the, uh, and so he works at this diner, and this diner is kind of the central hub of this town. So also in the in the in the town, like our um, Hal Linden from from uh, Barney Miller, the the star of Barney Miller, and his wife have are like on a road trip and they stop at this hotel and they're in the diner. Uh, Bill McKinney is the local sheriff who I was, I keep, I'm constantly shocked when Bill McKinney turns up in movies. Cause for me, he's just like a Clint Eastwood, uh, you know, 
player. Right. Like he's the he's the um the cap the, the captain that betrays them in uh, Josie Wales. He's one of the biker gang in the in the every which way and any which way you can. Yeah. Movies. He's in Gauntlet. He's also does it. He's in Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. He's you know, but he's he's in it as a sleazy as this kind of sleazy. I don't know if he's like the diner owner or something like that. He's got some, <laughs> he's in some kind of position of authority. Yeah. But he basically is also on the side. He's banging um, the Red Rider character's mum. Okay. But also treating her like shit. Like <laughs> mm. there's some, there's some kind of stuff going on, but so they're all in this thing. And then Marja Gortner kind of turns up, his van breaks down at the front. Oh, I forgot Pat Hingle is also in it. Uh, and he kind of comes into the, the diner while they're, waiting to get a replacement part. And he basically just starts, you know, tearing these people apart with this kind of psychological, like he preys on all of their insecurities and weaknesses. Right. And the dialogue is, is razor sharp. Yeah. He's just, it's full of, it's like a, almost like a Tarantino film of the sixties. Like it's cool. full of cult, pop culture kind of references and stuff that we're probably, you know, a lot of them are, you don't get because mm. you know, we're, it's 30 years ago kind yeah, of thing. We're the, so we're the wrong, it's yeah. 30 years ago referencing things from 10 years prior from, sure. them, you know, Marjo Gortner being a kid. Yeah. Um, but he's just so outrageously charismatic despite the fact that he's, you know, and it's very much like a compliance type thing where just on the strength of his personality and the gun, he gets these people to, to do Amazing. these horrible things and totally destroys them while he's in the, Waiting for his car to be fixed. So cool. I'm I'm definitely going back to watch this one. Is definitely and Anne Ramsey's in it. And 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 Anne Ramsey, she's in it for like two minutes. She's she plays the um, Stephanie Ferrasi's um, mum. Right. So she's only in it like right at the start. She's like, I don't spend some more time with your family. <laughs> and then the girl goes to work, and that's you don't see her again until just at the end. Yeah. When she goes home, going, where the hell have you been? And if you know who Anne Ramsey is, that's a great impression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! But hey, it is yeah. like I cannot, I cannot recommend this movie enough. If you haven't is, seen it, yeah. fucking oath, is it a banger? I'm gonna chase it down because that poster is very nostalgic for me. And yeah, yeah. And here's some interesting. Um, and that's the that's the 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 actual the Red Rider character. Yeah. Who is one of the victims? He's not even the main victim, <laughs> but he's just one of the victims. And his his whole thing is that he's dying to get out of this town, yeah. but he doesn't really have the courage to do it. He makes a cool poster. <laughs> but then, you know, and so to, to a degree, like this, the arrival of, um, and there's there's definitely kind of some homo, homoerotic scenes, like not homoerotic, uh, but there's, you know, that kid is, yep. you know, kind of an outcast in the town and it's never really explained why, mm-hmm. but he just, he, you know, he just happens to not have any interest in, in yeah. any of the women. He doesn't, you know, he, at one point, uh, um, Marjo tries to force him to kiss the waitress who is, you know, secretly kind of in love with him and he's just not into it. But it's like they pass through this kind of test yeah. and it actually allows all of the people who have gone through this horrific event to kind of actually move to find the courage to move on with their lives. It's a really fascinating yeah. film. Right. There's a lot to unpack and I'm going to have to watch it again. Yeah, like, for sure. Maybe we could watch it together. It's um, an interesting thing. Like about 15 years ago, I created a Facebook page called the adventures of Red Rider 
right? And I always thought that name rings a bell. Like, I don't right. know why it just yeah. clicks, but the whole purpose <laughs> of this was there was a guy in my neighborhood that would always ride a Red Rider and people in this group would snap photos of him. Right. And we posted on, <laughs> on Facebook. You can look it up. You can look it up, people, Red Rider. And like, but he would ride this Red Rider not only in the middle of a highway, change lanes in the middle of the cars in this little buggy. So it was hilarious to us. But he's been missing for seven years. I need to change the group to when you're coming back Red Rider. When you're coming back Red Rider. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> that reminds me of outside the old Monster Pictures office when we were in uh, Victoria Street in Brunswick. There used to be, there was an old woman who used to drive one of those, um, <laughs> the the buggies, the, yeah. you know, the handicapped people buggies. And she just she would ride in the middle of the road, and then when cars would kind of honk her, yeah. she would abuse them. And then, and then you would see this guy like in Coles at the shopping yeah. center, like you know, shopping in the same car that he was driving down the highway. Down the highway yeah. <laughs> and for the benefit of people listening, I might even, if I remember, drop a link to that group below this uh, episode. Because, we should all join. Yeah, that's right. Keep your eyes peeled. But um, anyway. you need to move it over to Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> But that, that pretty much brings us to the end of the show, Ben. Yeah, right. Speaking of Psychotic Strangers, next week we're going to be featuring an interview with the director of The Black Phone, Scott Derrickson. Um, that movie's hitting cinemas on the 21st, so the timing is good. Sweet. And our theme, as we said earlier on, is going to be basement dwellers or basement horror. I think I'm going to... I'm going to put what's in the basement what on the it? banner. Is that what it is? It's, 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 yeah, it's just things in the basement. Right? Yeah, yeah. It so can be anything in the basement. Yeah, you can go whatever direction you want. I'm going to do like maybe like weird science. Yeah, totally. Do or it. Uh, <laughs> what's another one that stuff happens in the basement? Like the animal. I'll do, uh, I'm going to talk uh, about Wayne's the World, animal. mate. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody, make sure you come back and have a listen to that one. We have like a very horror forward, forward few weeks coming. So it's going to be... I don't think anyone's going to be complaining about that. No. no. So, anyway, don't forget to... I thought you, you left a, like a, a pause for me to say something. No, I had a bit of reflux. Point. I had to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to follow us on social media. In addition to the show, we do produce um, bonus video content that goes online nearly every night. Um, Benjamin, it's always fun to do this show with you, mate. Thanks for another banger. Thank you. I had a good time watching these movies. We did it without a guest, mate. We um we carried it. You were you were on your back for half of it, but <laughs> that's all right. I had my knees up behind my ears. <laughs> I was open. I was open for it. <laughs> open to suggestion. Thank you to Jarrett Gemma. By suggestion, I mean cock. <laughs> Joe Chat and James, and um, also to the other team players who contribute across the socials and occasionally on the show, Chloe, Melzi, Sam, and Tia, and to you, our friends who are listening, who without, would well, this would be pretty pointless, actually. We'd just be talking to ourselves. Yeah, which yeah. I'm fine with. I could just have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, we're lonely. We just, I just wouldn't have to drive here. We could just do it on <laughs> yeah, the phone. We're lonely. We need to do it. Uh, the song that we're going to sign off with this week is called Going Down. It's by Honky, and it's from Tony Scott's very underrated oh. thriller, The Fan. Before, sorry, I forgot to mention Uh-oh. with Red Rider, <laughs> two two things. I forgot to mention. I forgot to. I forgot to mention two things about both films. One, the first one about about Hider in the House. It's written by Lem Dobbs, the guy who wrote The Limey and Dark City and The Hard Way with Michael J. Fox. Far out. And uh, Good Movie Monday favorite Haywire, the Steven Soderbergh Gina Carano film, and Welcome Back Red Rider. <laughs> yeah. Like throughout the film. When they're in this diner, Marjorie Gordon is constantly dropping dimes in the jukebox, and he like he plays things like uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly theme, oh. which it underscores the action happening perfectly. 
Like, it is just amazing how well it fits into that film. And you kind of think, sure, 68, this actually would have been like a popular song at the time, like a popular record. There's also um, a personal favourite of mine, Sir Douglas, the Sir Douglas Quintet, uh, and he plays She's About to Move. That, mo- that song is so outrageously catchy. If you it's had definitely uh, worthwhile jumping give on me, the old... Give uh, me time to, to prep that. I could have... Could have done that. Admittedly, Glenn, I didn't know what movies I was going to do until this morning. <laughs> awesome. Well, as I said, this one's from The Fan, the Tony Scott film, which also has Jack Black as, you know, just the... the as a friend? Yeah, as a friend. The, the... <laughs> you mean I, you're going to follow her to Vegas? I really like oh, no, The Fan. So white? Um, anyway, everybody have a great week. Um, we'll see you on the social medias tomorrow. And um, don't forget to come join us, leave a comment, and, and then until next week. Adios.